two, mic check, one, two, mic check, one, two, one, two. Mic check. Mic check, one, two. It's actually pretty cool. I'm good. Right where it is. Yeah. Testing one, two. Give me his mic. Like, what do you put on him? Give me him. Let me be like pastor. Testing one, two. I want them pastor. Uh... Testing one, two, one, two. Mic check, one, two, one, two. Yeah.
Good evening, good evening. We want to welcome you to the first night of March Gladness, and we are excited and elated about what the Lord is going to do as far as this week of revival is concerned. We have people who are slowly but surely joining us as far as our Zoom congregation is concerned, and so we're delighted to see you. want to wave at you right now. We thank God for your presence as well as others who are joining us on Facebook as well as YouTube and on the phone. I want you to do me a favor. Before we get started, uh, if you're watching us this evening on Facebook, YouTube, or engaging in our live chat room, welcome to St. Paul Online. We have some digital ministers and social media influencers that are ready to engage you. I want you to do us this favor because we want to get this revival service out to as many people as possible. If you're watching on Facebook, share on your personal timeline without starting a separate watch party. We want to make sure we stay in the same chat stream. You can also tag those whom you want to invite within the post. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We want to get that up to 1,500 before this year is out. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and text the link of this worship service to your personal network. And if you're in the chat room on our church website, click on the invite button in your chat window to share this experience with others. And I just wanted to say as a call to action for our social media, if you're engaged in worshiping with us today, just let us know who you are by sharing this experience with others. If you share with your friends using Zoom or another video chat, let us know as well. Take a selfie, post it on our social media platforms, and share those pictures. We want to have a good time as far as the Lord is concerned on this evening. Uh, Minister Erica Minor is going to come and lead us in our worship experience. I want you to do me a favor if you would. If you're looking for the Lord to bless you on this evening, just go ahead and put those sanctified hands together. Amen. Let us see you. Let us hear you. Amen. Here comes Reverend Minor. Good evening, church family. You are in the right place because it is revival time. If you are feeling down in your spirit, if you logged on tonight and you feel discouraged, oh, I want you to embrace a mindset of expectation because God is going to take over in this place tonight. I want you to embrace a mindset of anticipation for while God is going to use the preacher to remind us of the promises of God and restore our joy and our faith. Prepare your hearts and your minds to be revived.
at this time, we will have our scripture reading. If you can, please turn in your word to Psalm 85, Psalm 85. And while you're doing that, for those of you worshiping with us, if you are in YouTube, if you could text the link to others so that they can join us in worship. If you're on Facebook or one of the other platforms that we have, tell us where you're worshiping with us from. We would love to know who is participating and sharing in this experience with us. We'll be reading from Psalm 85, verses 1 through 7. You, Lord, showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turn from your fierce anger. Restore us again, God our Savior, and put away your displeasure toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? Will you not revive us again? That your people may rejoice in you. Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation. The word is already blessed. Let us go to God in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for already being here and showing up to stir our souls and refresh our hearts with your love and forgiveness. We praise you in advance for how you are going to convict our hearts so we can walk closer to you and be fruitful servants. Lord, we ask that as you restore the light in us that we shine brighter than ever before and draw unbelievers to you. Lord, we thank you for this week and the preached word that we will hear. We love you in your precious name. Amen.
rise, let it rise, let it rise. How many of you all know that even in virtual space, you can worship and praise God and give God the glory and the honor? So I want you to do me a favor. Put those sanctified hands together. Let's celebrate our God in this wonderful space. Amen, amen, amen. St. Paul and all of those who are watching us online, we greet you with Jesus' joy. And I'm certainly excited and elated for the first night of March Gladness. My, I'm here to tell you we got some gifted preachers that will be sharing with us this week. I am certainly delighted and elated uh, to have Minister Erica Miner as she leads us in worship, our media team uh, doing their thing, and of course our young adult ensemble have blessed us tonight already. Can you give God praise for them and for how they lift up the mighty name of Jesus? Amen, amen. I just want to say that as we move on, as far as our worship service is concerned, if you happen to see her or or, or um, touch base with her, I want you to give a major shout out to the chair of our board of directors, Sister Deborah Chestnut Reed. She has been um, uh, notified that she is one of the 100 women to watch as far as Union County is concerned due to the work she's doing over there. And uh, I read that uh, about that, and I want to just give her a major congratulations as far as the church body is concerned. Of course, we know the wonderful things that she do around here at St. Paul. Amen. Well, listen, I told you all that we're going to try to do all that we can to get the preacher up as soon as possible. And so we're getting ready to do that right now. And uh, as we get ready to do that, I want you to do me a favor. We're getting ready to give. We're getting ready to give. We're getting ready to give. Amen. We're getting ready to give. And so as we prepare to give, I just want to let you all know that we have no set amount as far as for your giving. I'm going to give $100 this week. You can give whatever you want, but I'm going to give $100 each night. Uh, that's me sewing as far as the work here at St. Paul. One thing I've discovered is you can't beat God giving no matter how hard you try. And you and I are most like God when we give. So I want to let you know that there are three ways you can give here at St. Paul, particularly during this week as far as March Gladness is concerned. The first one is you can send your check or money order to the church, 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205. Or if you want to drop off cash, check, or money order this week, call the church office. We're here between uh, 9 and 5 o'clock. And uh, we will receive your offering and uh, make it part of the offering for that evening. Or you can go to your smart device and give through Givelify. And so uh, if you don't have that smart uh, Givelify app on your smart device, download it to your smart device, connect it to your favorite credit card, and in three clicks, you can give. So I want you to do me a favor as we prepare to give tonight. I want you to put your gift in your right hand. We want to give God what's right not what's left. Amen. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you for the first night of the watch. And God, as we prepare to give on this first night, we pray that you will bless these gifts of ours. That God, as we sow into this space and place, that God, you will multiply our giving in a Godful way that we would know it's nobody else but you. And we don't do it grudgingly. We don't do it out of necessity, but we do it out of love and obedience. Take these gifts of ours, oh God, so that your work, your witness, and your word will continue to go forth. In the name of Jesus, we pray this prayer. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Well, it is a wonderful opportunity for me to introduce our preacher for tonight. Uh, he is a native of Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, he is the Reverend Charles E. Goodman, Reverend Dr. Charles E. Goodman, and he has been the senior pastor and teacher at the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia. And that is a very historic church, not only in Georgia, but really as far as black church ethos is concerned. And under his wonderful leadership and vision, uh, he has one church in multiple locations. They're getting ready to open up a third site. He has over 10,000 persons that claim membership as far as his church is concerned. And he has also led the charge to increase evangelism effort through what he called Tab Global Worship Service. And through this initiative, uh, his church has been able to respond to the COVID-19 pandemic with the available online worship services each week at 9, 11, and 5. Prior to the pandemic, prior to the pandemic, he was preaching five times on a Sunday, uh, on a Sunday, five times. And I just look at him, I said, bless your heart. Amen. Um, one of the things that I can say that prior to going to Tabernacle, he served as a uh, pastor of the Pleasant View Missionary Baptist Church in Salem, Alabama for three and a half years. He is a learned brother. Uh, undergraduate from Wake Forest University in Winston-Salem. He has a Master of Divinity from Emory University Candler School of Theology. And he earned a Doctor of Ministry degree from Wesley Theological Seminary. He's an avid learner. He is working on his second doctorate, a PhD in preaching leadership at Anderson University in Anderson, South Carolina. Um, he is a grandparent's boy having been raised by his grandmother and grandfather in Greensboro, North Carolina. He is also uh, a well-written author. And one of the things that I appreciate about him, he is a sports enthusiast. And unfortunately, he doesn't roll with the with with with, with uh, the Panthers. He's an Eagles fan. We'll forgive him for that. Amen. But Deacon Ernest and Charlotte Swan raised him. Uh, he's well respected in the community, but I love him so much because not only is he a gifted preacher, he's my fraternity brother, member of Omega Psi Phi fraternity as well as Sigma Pi Phi. And so I want you to do me this favor. We have a well sought after preacher, revivalist, and lecturer. He has preached at Hampton before as our morning preacher. And I want you, St. Paul, to pray for him and with him that the Lord will use him in a mighty and a magnificent way. So amen. If you would just do me a favor and just say your prayers right now in your tent and we're looking for the Lord to do something wonderful and marvelous in this space. So put your hands together as our preacher prepare to come right after we hear from our young adult ensemble.
We serve an amazing and incredible God, and what an awesome prayer to pray and to ask God to touch us a second time. For those of you who are tuned in and sharing with us in this March Gladness Revival, I invite you for this moment of prayer, whichever way is comfortable, and for you get into the presence of God, I would beseech thee in this moment that you would assume that posture. God, we're so grateful for your goodness, and we are amazed by your grace what an awesome moment we've come to experience your favor afresh and anew again the spirit of revival god you've kept us through dangers seen and unseen yet even though we're still in the midst of the throes of a pandemic racial injustice is still prevalent turnover of a inconsistent political arena one thing we know, God, you are still good. As long as you're good, we believe that everything will be all right. So, Lord, I pray for those who are participating in part of this revival, whether they're watching this while we're preaching it live or even those who will pull this up later on. I pray, God, that whenever the people meet this word and meet this experience, that their lives will be changed and transformed. We came because we need revival. Revival in our hearts, revival in our homes, revival in our lives. So now, God, speak a word that once again shift us and transition us and transform us. Thank you for this incredible church, the St. Paul Church, this amazing pastor, Dr. Scott, and his family. For all the leadership and fellowship of this amazing body of believers. So now, God, as I stand, give me preaching and teaching power. I study, but I need you. Pray that you will give strength and clarity in this moment. Allow your word to go forth in your way. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're happy and you love the Lord, I dare you to praise him wherever you are and to acknowledge his goodness. Once again, allow me to honor our God, Jesus, his son, the Holy Spirit our comforter and it is once again good for us to share in this moment of revival i greet you with the joy of jesus christ and once again let me salute you saint paul i thank god for you and i am praying for you uh, you are an amazing church i am a native of north carolina and i know the amazing history of this incredible body of believers and i thank god for you and i appreciate the opportunity to come and share but i ultimately thank god for your pastor my friend my big brother one who I look at uh, with so, so much admiration and reverence. Uh, we thank God for Dr. Robert Scott today. Come on, let's thank God for him. And we bless God for all the wonderful and amazing things God has gifted him to do. St. Paul, I hope you know what kind of gift you have. And, uh, and when God graced you uh, some five years ago, uh, to you have an amazing pastor and predecessor uh, who I still revere as well. And when Dr. Scott was given the baton to continue this incredible journey of this amazing church. I'm telling you something, St. Paul, God really must love you guys because y'all have some incredible leadership. To this amazing young adult ensemble who's been sharing and our ministers have been giving us incredible word and direction on tonight. We are indeed happy to be in the house of the Lord. First of all, y'all, excuse me if I get a little excited. I haven't been traveling. This is almost the second trip I've taken in a year. Um, so if I don't contain myself y'all pray for me i'm fully vaccinated i feel great um and i'm typically pre-covid i was going somewhere every year but just like you for the last year i've been confined 
uh, to being in one space. And so uh, y'all pray for me that I don't get too excited tonight. Uh, but we solicit your prayers and we thank God for you. To the Tabernacle Church, those who are viewing, I love you, I miss you, and I will see you very soon. There was a word I want to share today. And once again, your pastor was very strategic. He knew to put me up first to get me out of the way uh, because y'all have some major locomotives coming on the track over the next few nights with Dr. Gina Stewart and Dr. Maurice Watson. So I know my job as a little brother to them uh, is just say my little Sunday school uh, Easter speech and sit on down. But I do believe there is a word that the Lord wants us to hear tonight in Genesis chapter 8. I invite your attention there. Whatever device you're using to bring reverence and the reading of God's word. Begin reading around verse 13. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Genesis chapter 8. Starting around verse 13. This is what the word of God says for us tonight. Noah was now 601 years old. And on the first day of the new year, 10 and a half months after the flood began... Floodwaters had almost dried up from the earth. Noah lifted back the covering of the boat and saw that the surface of the ground was drying. Two more months went by, and at last the earth was dry. Then God said to Noah, leave the boat, all of you, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Release all the animals, the birds, the livestock, and the small animals that scurry along the ground so you can be fruitful and multiply throughout the earth. So Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives left the boat. And all the large and small animals and birds came out of the boat pair by pair. Again tonight, look at verse 15. Then God said to Noah, leave the boat, all of you, you, your wife and your sons and your wives. Release all the animals, the birds and the livestock and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So that you can be fruitful and multiply throughout the earth. For a few moments tonight, I simply want to preach from this thought tonight. I want to talk about stepping out on dry ground. Lord, speak. Your people need to hear. I can imagine it had been a difficult time for Noah. It seems as if this particular situation was raging on for quite a long time. God had given him an incredible instruction. God's instruction to Noah a year or so earlier up until that point was to do something that seemed unimaginable at the time. God had selected Noah and his family to be the ones that will continue the progeny of the earth. God had looked upon humanity and realized that humanity was not living up to his own expectations. And so this is what God decided to do. He wanted to start things over. What he was going to do was going to introduce to the world something they had never seen before rain. This wasn't just going to be a regular rain. This was going to be a torrential rain, a rain that would cause a flood that would flood the earth. Given Noah that assignment, told Noah what to do. Noah, through the instructions of God, did exactly what God said do. He built an ark. He built this ark, and you can imagine the ridicule that must have been going on. People had never seen, A, not only seen rain, but they were perhaps wondering what in the world is Noah trying to do. For some time, Noah was diligent with the instructions. Noah did what God had told him to do, and ultimately this ark was built. And finally, the time had come, and so God told Noah, take your family, take pairs of animals, and I want you to get on the ark. And Noah did exactly what God told him to do. And then ultimately, if you read Genesis chapter 6, the Bible tells us that ultimately the Lord shut him in. He sent a rain and the rain flooded the entire earth. 
Anyone that's ever been to Sunday school or vacation Bible school, you can see now that this Noah, at this Noah and his ark as it's once again raging over the waters. You can see it now as it's aimlessly moving about. There's no level ground anywhere. And whatever you read the timing of the scripture, you'll note that this flooding took place for almost 40 days. But after 40 days of consistent raining from the outpouring of the water underneath the ground, the earth has been flooded. Everything has been destroyed but Noah, his family, and all the animals upon the ark. It only took 40 days, Dr. Scott, in order for God to flood the earth. And for this time period, the ark had sustained and kept Noah. But then the rain stopped. You can imagine at that moment that this ark that had sustained and kept Noah and his family and the animals, there they were, seemingly just riding upon the waves of the water. But what gets me, um, Dr. Scott, is when you begin to study the timing of this, you'll note that even though the rain has stopped, the ark still has to float. The earth is still flooded. And that comes at a very tenuous time because even though the rain has ceased, they're trying to figure out when is going to be the exact time for us to get off. I mean, it's one thing to get on the ark, the anticipation of the flood and knowing all that God was about to do. But I can imagine for Noah and all those on the ark, it had to be a rough period just to be out there on the sea, on the water, not knowing when the flooding would be over. And we read the opening portion of chapter eight. You'll note. Now, what takes place is that we see the gradual progression that happens. Genesis chapter 8 verse 1 says that, And God remembered Noah in the midst of that moment. While they were floating on the water, God had not forgotten about Noah. While they were in the midst of the flood, Genesis 8 verse 1 says, And God remembered Noah. But what's interesting from verses 1 of chapter 8 to the verses that we read here, there was a progression that takes place. That while there was no more rain, the Bible tells us that God sent a wind. He sent a wind that began to blow upon the waters. This was going to be a long and arduous process. But the only way the water could then move was that the water had to be dried up by the wind of God. Isn't it amazing that when we're going through, I know it may be hard and I know it's difficult. But aren't you glad we serve a God that A, remembers us and B, sends his wind. He sends the wind to be able to dry up the water. And I can imagine, Dr. Scott, this had to be difficult because... Because what do you do when you have to deal with the incremental progress that God provides? I mean, I can imagine that Noah probably thought to himself, I wish that this water would hurry up and dry up. I wish this wind would work faster. But when you read the passage of scripture, it lets us know that the drying process actually took longer than it took to flood the entire earth. That the earth being flooded was an instantaneous 40 day type of operation. But in order to dry up the earth, it was going to take sometime matter of fact not just a few days uh, and not just a few weeks uh, but the bible lets us know that almost five to seven months was the process of drying the earth but here's the power of the passage my brothers and sisters uh, is that the text tells us that in the midst of the drying process uh, this ship this ark finds itself settled on mount Ararat. isn't that incredible the ark was built in the valley but while god was drying up the water uh, by the time the flood was coming to an end god had landed them on the mount of Mount Ararat. Isn't that like God? Because most of us have complained about the floods we've been in. We've complained about the calamities and the catastrophes that seem to come our way. But I want you to know something. God never wastes a crisis. And where we start in the valley, God can end us up on the mountain.
Now that's the power, my brothers and sisters. That's what the text tells us. They settled on Mount Ararat. Noah opens up the window. He now is trying to figure out the right time for them to get off. He releases a raven, doesn't come back. He releases a dove. And on the second time, the dove does not come back. This is the indication that now it must be safe for them to embark or disembark from the ark. Something got my attention around verse 13. After all the time they had spent, after all the time of being aimlessly wandering and having to wade in the ark, the Bible says around verse 13 that Noah takes off the cover of the ark. The window has been opened. He now has, for the first time in over a year, there's fresh air coming into the ark. For the over first time, for over a year, you can imagine those who were in the ark no longer had the smell of the excrements of the animals. For the first time, they could see for themselves the sun in the sky and the clouds all around. This was a proud moment. When they looked out to them, they could see the mountains on this side. They could see the lavish vegetation on that side. They It seemed like things were ready. But the text is clear. Yes. Even though the cover was off. Text says it almost took them an additional month before they got off of the ark. And I struggle with that, Dr. Scott, because I can imagine if I was part of the family of Noah and the cover had been off and we had been in quarantine of the ark for over a year. My critical question to Noah is, why are we why are we waiting? How come you don't allow us to get off this ark? Don't you know what we have wrestled with for this last year? Don't you know, Noah, what we've had to endure? And to us, it looks clear. To us, it seems like it's the right time. But the text says that Noah waits an additional few days. He waits an additional few weeks that instead of him hurriedly getting off the ark, he waits until he hears the voice from God. And I want to challenge you and I tonight. As you and I are in the midst of our own transition, we've been uh, over the last year in our own flood. We've been having to go through our own calamities and catastrophe. Half a million people have lost their lives. We have endured something that none of us have could have ever predicted last year. And now here we are in the throes of it. Here we are. We can see what seems to be the light at the end of the tunnel. And I know that if we were on that ark just like we are now, there would be a quickness in us. We're ready to get back to our next normal we're ready to move out and do things that we are used to doing but something in our text tells us that sometimes you got to be real careful in moments of transition you got to be careful because everything that looks dry is not dry everything that looks ready is not ready and Noah teaches you and I something that if we'll be honest is one of our hardest things is that sometimes you can't move until God says so Oh, I know. I know you're waiting for the CDC to lift some restrictions, but you can't move until God says so. I know that they say there's a rebound in the economy, but you can't move until God says so. I know, my brothers and sisters, there's other people that are on the outside. I can imagine Noah's family was probably saying, look, the ravens out there and the doves out there. But Noah understood that in order for us to survive in the next season, God did not bring us this far to sink on soggy ground. What God had brought us this far is that if we are to be who God wants us to be, we got to make sure that when we step out of this, we are stepping out on dry ground. And I think that somebody needs to hear this prophetic revelation tonight because I want you to know it's not only with the pandemic that we need to make it stable in the next season, but I want to warn you in this next normal, that next relationship, make sure it's dry ground. That next job opportunity, make sure it's dry ground. I came to tell you all the way 
somebody from Augusta, Georgia, that God is intending to prosper you in your next season, but how bad it would be to survive the flood, to endure all you have done, only to find yourself sinking in stuff that hasn't dried up yet. That's the text, my brothers and sisters. And I want you to know that when we look at this passage, it changes and forces you and I to understand that the sturdiness of the ground was predicated on the steadiness of the voice. That Noah made the decision, watch this, not based on what he could see, but based on what he could hear. And I want you to know tonight that one of the things that you and I must make sure we do in this next season of transition is that we're not so fast to move that we have not opened our ear to hear the voice of God. And I know you got people telling you what you should do. And I know you got people trying to tell you it's the right time. But Noah shows you and I a perfect principle that the thing we ought to make sure we do is make sure our ears are open to hear what God has to say. I want you to know that this transition, this this next move that God is doing is based on God's voice. This transition from a season of uncertainty to a season of stability is based on God's voice. And if you are not listening, you're going to miss your time. Yes, sir. Yes, and that's what I believe this text begins to share you to you and I. That in order for us to truly embrace this next normal, we got to make sure that our eyes, are, our, our ears are better than our eyes in order to move our feet. I want you to know that this is not going to be driven by what you see. It's going to be driven by what you hear. Let me share what I see in this text. That there are a few powerful movements. A few things that I think we can learn from this experience because Noah takes his time and by the time God says it's good, Noah, his family and all the animals step out on dry ground. Well, what can we get from this? What, what can you and I learn? What can you and I somehow apply to our lives in this season of transition? I'm glad you asked. Well, there's a couple of things I think our text is tailored to teach us tonight. The first thing I think we can learn from this passage of scripture is that as you and I are trying to figure out when is the right time to step out on dry ground, first thing I think we learn from this text is that human perspectives are limited. That when you consider this passage of scripture, it, it lifts up the truth that our limits, our perspectives, how we view things will always have limitations. That's, that's what the text is telling us. Matter of fact, around verses 13 and 14, we, we hear some insight into Noah. He's 601 years old. And now he lifts up the cover of the ark. This, this cover, this, this, this lid, if you will, that has encased and enclosed the ark for the last year and some change. Noah now feels the right time to lift it up. This lifting up the cover, it, it literally gives Noah better perspective. Because earlier, the only way that Noah could see out was through a window. That was an even limited area. But now, he takes off the entire cover of the ark. This has opened him up to see more than he had been able to see over the last year. Things look brighter now. I can imagine if you ain't seen the sun for a year, if you haven't experienced the freshness of the air for the year, if you had an experience... What serious clouds look like and other things in the sky. I can imagine the brilliance perhaps could be blinding. That's what Noah and his family were looking at. Something's clear. Something teaches us something very powerful because even though Noah looked out, text is clear, he stayed in the ark. 
He's the head of the house, which means they take their cues from him. And once again, when he looks out, stuff looks good, but he still stays put. And you begin to reason why. Verse 13 to 14 tells us that it says, first of all, that the land is drying. Or it tells us that the ground has finally dried up. Notice, if you will, verse 13 and verse 14, it gives us both the words for drying, but it's a progressive drying. That that word for drying in verse 13, Dr. Scott, means to be, it means to be absent of moisture. But that word dry in verse 14 means to be absent of water. In other words, you see a progressive way that this drying was taking place. The, the way it matches is the same way we get the rain that is met early in chapter 8. In other words, Noah is wise enough to know that even though I'm in the ark, that just because it looks dry, don't mean it's dry. And even though I want to step out, I realize that all I can see is what's on the surface. Since all I can see is on the surface, that I can't make a decision this critical with only surface information. And so I've got to wait until I am certain that what's underneath is ready because just because it's dry on top doesn't mean that underneath has the intensity and the fortitude uh, to handle the weight of us stepping out. So uh, I've got to make sure that I'm not making a surface decision because uh, a surface decision could cause me to step out on soggy ground. Y'all don't want to hear me here now because I want to submit to you that Noah teaches you and I a powerful principle. It lets you and I know that oftentimes our perspectives can be limited because only thing that you and I can see is on the surface and I wonder how many of us have can testify pre-G you were all in my business you are stirring my Kool-Aid because Lord knows I wish I could go back and redo some decisions because I made some decisions based on the surface oh it looked good on the surface it looked like everything was fine until I stepped out on it prematurely and I realized just because it looked good on the surface did not mean it had the strength and the force Fortitude to surrender, to be solid. There's somebody that can testify. That's why you had a hard time through this pandemic because uh, you got connected to a surface relationship. Uh, it looked good from the top. They matched your checklist uh, and you thought that everything was copacetic only to find out uh, that just because it looked good on the surface, uh, it still was soggy soil. Y'all need to hear me. There's somebody that can testify. I made a decision uh, on a surface job. They offered more money uh, and I assumed that this was going to be God's will for my life because now I could have more money and I could do this and that only to find out that that surface top surface looked good but it was soggy ground that underneath the sogginess of the surface I realized I had some nosy co-workers I realized I had a hateful and resentful boss at some point what we learn in this text is you got to be careful making decisions based on what you see on the surface and I believe there's somebody at St. Paul I can say preacher you you talking to me Lord knows I've, I've, there's some stuff that look good until I stepped out and realized it's nothing but sogginess soil. It it looked like it was going to be something to, to undergird me, to hold me up, but it's really nothing but soggy soil. And I need you to be careful in this next season because everything that looks good, that looks dry is not dry. I learned the hard way, Dr. Scott, I, I must admit to you, COVID has caused me to try to develop a couple of new routines. 
One of the things that has I've been challenged with is I'm so routine driven uh, that I, I need to figure out certain stuff to get me rhythmically ready for Sunday. So I've been trying to figure out new, new things to do. One of the things I've done, Dr. Scott, to get me ready for Sunday in this COVID moment is I, I make sure no matter what I do on Saturday, I wash and dry my clothes. I know that may seem small to you, but that's a big thing for me. That's that becomes something that I know I can do to make sure that gets my mind ready every Saturday. No matter what is going on to prepare for Sunday morning, I wash and dry my clothes. But I will admit we've had some struggles this past week. Y'all know we lost an hour. I don't know whoever invented this this losing an hour on Saturday going into Sunday. I don't I don't know all this changing of time. I, I wish they would have took that back. But to no avail, we lost an hour this past week. And I went through my regular routine, Doc, washed some clothes, and I put my clothes that I was going to wear on Sunday in the dryer. I, I turned on the dryer, and because I knew that I was going to lose an hour, I wanted to hurry up and get in bed because I wanted to get up on time. But y'all already know where I'm headed. I missed my alarm. Armor Bear called, said, Pastor, I'm on the way. And I had to re- rush up hastily to get my stuff together. I, I went to the dryer. Here's my problem. The, the dryer was off. It had gone through the cycle of drying. It, it, I know that it, the horn or the beep had went off. And here's the crazy thing. When I opened up my dryer, I could feel the op- top layer of the clothes. To my assumption was all of the clothes are dry. But here's the crazy thing. My assumption was wrong because as I was trying to take them out of the dryer to my dismay, there was still some damp clothes underneath. My initial thing of thinking of the clothes in the dryer, my assumption was they were ready. But when I dug a little deeper, I realized that just because stuff on the outside was dry, it did not exempt the stuff in the middle and in the back from being damp. And that's somebody's situation right now. You like me are such a hurry that you say it is ready. I know the time is over. The horn has beeped. But let me warn you, child of God, you're going to be like me. I had to go ahead and close that door again. Add some more time. Tell my staff I'm running a little bit behind because what I assumed to be dry was still damp. Human perspectives are limiting. But there's something else in our text. We also hear that God's word is legitimate. Here's the crazy thing. That Noah looks and sees dry land to what he thinks is dry. But he still doesn't step out. But verse 15 says, Then God said to Noah, Leave the boat, all of you, you, your wife, and your sons, and your wives here. This is crucial. Verse 15 is only a few verses, few words, but it said, then God said to Noah. It implies that in this moment that he was trying to discern when's the right time to go. Noah was not leaving on his own. He was waiting until God spoke to him. Now I can hear what some of you saying. Well, that's powerful because that's what God does. But here's the thing for me is not just what God says. Is when God said it. When you study the flood narrative, Dr. Scott, you'll note that God is silent when they're in the ark. Matter of fact, the only time Noah 
talks to God and God speaks to Noah is to give him the instructions to build the ark. Give him the instructions to build the ark, then tells him to get on, then he shuts them in. And so now, while he's been on the ark, when the flood has been happening, in the midst of the water drying it up, to the point them being on the mountain, all that time, God has been silent. God has not said a word the entire time that Noah has been on the ark. In other words, my brothers and sisters, the challenge of this text is not just when God speaks. But what do you do when God is silent? I, I mean, can you can you imagine? I, I can imagine. I appreciate even more now the fortitude of Noah. Because if that would have been us on the ark, we'd have been begging and pleading God speak to me. But never do we hear in scripture while he is on the ark, does God say a word to Noah? And I wonder, my brothers and sisters, what happens in life when you're going through times that are hard and tense and God is silent. God doesn't say a word. God doesn't say a word while he's going through the flood. It says no word while they're out there on the water. It says no word when the wind is sent and the water's drying up. No word as they stay docked at Mount Ararat. No word when the raven's out and the dove leaves. No word when the uncovering is done. There's no word said by God to Noah until this moment. And this was a simple command. Get out of the ark. It was not a, are you okay? It was not, do you need something? No. The instruction from God in this moment was to tell Noah to it's time to move. And here's part of our challenge. Because we oftentimes want a word from God of compassion. We want God uh, to reassure us in the midst of our calamity and our problems. But I've learned something that oftentimes uh, good teachers recognize you stay silent during the test. Oftentimes, God wants to know, can I trust you to stay in place even when you don't know what I'm going to say next? Can I trust you to endure the situation even though it may seem like it's okay and even though you've been on it for a while? Can I get somebody at the St. Paul Revival to celebrate not just when God speaks, but you want to thank God that even in his silence, you've learned how to trust him in the midst of it. You learn how to stay still until God speaks a word at some point Noah understood that my responsibility is not to make God speak but to stay where I am until God speaks again which means it doesn't matter what I have to endure I'm not going to move until God says so and I wonder how do you manage life Dr. Scott when God is silent when you're on the ark see the ark represents oftentimes those tight and tough places. The ark oftentimes represents, yes, it kept you, but it ain't always the most comfortable. Can you be okay? Staying put until God speaks. Can you be okay? Even though people around you are trying to tell you now's the time, but say, I can't move until God speaks. Can you be all right? Living life with God being silent. Can you be okay? Wanting to do something, but having to wait on God. Can you be okay 
and still love God and still serve and still sing and still preach when God is silent. I am impressed by the maturity of Noah because Noah was not going to move based on what his children said, based on what his wife said. But the text is very clear that Noah was not going to move until God speaks. And I need to help somebody that's listening and watching and viewing and experiencing this revival. I need you to know you're going to have a whole lot of voices telling you to do this and telling you to do that. But you got to make sure you attune your ear and in the midst of it, you got to make sure is this God? Is this God's will? And it's God's time. And at some point, Noah understood that I can't move until I gear from God. Your pastor told you I grew up Greensboro, North Carolina. That's home for me. James Benson Dudley High School graduate, 1997, best high school in the world. And I never get growing up in my neighborhood, the east side of Greensboro, right there next to Blueford uh, Elementary School. Some of my guys would always hang with me. So my my boys, I grew up with from from Kenyon and Little Mac and my little cousin Putt and man, we would always play what we call sideline pop football. That was that was our thing. This was way before social media. We have Facebook. We actually went outside to play. So we go outside to play, but it wasn't just boys that went outside to play. That there were some girls in our neighborhood too, Nikki and Tamika. They would be outside playing while we playing football. That they played a game, Dr. Scott, called Double Dutch. Now I would admit to you that we, being young boys, we we were a little macho in our thinking. So we assume when we looked over there and they were just jumping in between these jump ropes, we were of the idea that that's real easy. They were jumping in and out effortlessly they were twirling around they were singing songs it looked relatively easy until we tried it we dropped our football we went over there we wanted to try it but here's the thing every time we tried to jump in we would always hit the rope every single time it looked easy when they were doing it. They were jumping in. They were on the side doing their thing. They were making it in and they were going through singing their songs but when we tried every time we tried to jump in Based on what we thought was the right time, we always hit the rope. I was getting frustrated two or three times, Dr. Scott. I was like, maybe this ain't my game until my little, little friend Nikki, bless her heart, she lives in Atlanta now. She pulled me aside. She said, Chuck, I'm going to help you. I said, you going to help me, Nikki? She said, I'm going to help you. But I need you to make sure that whatever you do, you don't jump in, watch this, until I tell you so. All right, all right. So she, she stood on the side and her... Some other friends, they were twirling the rope. And I saw the other people doing this thing right here, so I, I tried to do the same thing as well. But while they were twirling, Nikki wasn't saying nothing. And I must admit to you that I kept looking, and I thought that it was a good moment. I could see on the side, but she still didn't say nothing. Part of me wanted to jump in because I thought what the right time should be, but she wasn't saying nothing. Until all of a sudden, while I'm getting there, she said, all right, Chuck, I want you to get ready because I'm about to Put you in. I'm saying, but I, but I could have been in about three, four times. Uh-uh. It wasn't the right time. And so in that moment, I realized, that am I going to listen to myself based on what I see? Or am I going to trust the voice of Nikki, who has proven to be a trusted voice? Well, y'all know how this thing ended. I wanted to jump in, but I stayed patient until finally Nikki said, all right, Chuck, I'm going to count you in. On one, 
on to. And when she gave me the word, I jumped in. And what was hard before, based on what I saw, what was hard before, based on every time I did it, it faltered. Uh, when Nikki told me to jump in, uh, when I went on her voice uh, and on her command uh, and on her time, uh, what was hard before was easy uh, because I followed a trusted voice. Lean in, uh, saying, Paul, I need you to hear me in this virtual revival. I know that it looks like now's the right time. And I know you think you got your timing together. I know that here we are with vaccines being taken out. And here we are on the other side, what we assume uh, to be it. But be like me, uh, waiting there on Pickett Street, uh, saying I can't move uh, until I hear from a trusted voice. God uh, will never leave you. God uh, will never tell you to jump. If you're not ready, God said to Noah. I'm done. When you step out on dry ground, you realize the human perspectives are limited. When you jump out on dry ground, you realize that God's word is legitimate. There's something else in this text. When you step out on dry ground, watch this. Obedient faith is liberating. God speaks, watch this, in verse 15. Gives him the instructions of what to do in verse 16 and 17. But perhaps one of the most critical portions of this pericope is verse 18 and 19. Look what it says. It's right there in your text. It says, so Noah, his wife, his sons and other wives left the boat and all of the large and small animals and birds came out of the boat pair by pair. Did you see it? God spoke in verse 15. God told him what to do in verse 16 and 17. And verse 18 and 19 is Noah, his wife, his sons and daughter-in-laws and all the animals getting off the boat. Yes, sir. Yes, God spoke in verse 15. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Told him what to do in verse 16 yes, and 17. Sir. Yes, sir. But it wasn't until verse 18 and 19 that he took the instructions from God after God told him what to do. And verse 18 and 19 is him operating in obedient faith. He didn't just hear the word, but he followed through on the word. Noah and his wife and his children and all the animals stepped out on dry ground. That that's good news for you and I, because I want you to know that one of the things that is powerful is that this text also teaches you and I this one true, true fact. When God speaks, it's our imperative to obey. At some point, my brothers and sisters, there comes a point that you got to move beyond just wishing and hoping there. There comes a point that when God gives you the instruction, when God gives you the okay, it's not time to question it. It's not time to wonder what's next. Noah took what God said and followed it to a T. I need someone to hear me clear because in this next season, I want you to know that what's going to be crucial for our progress and our productivity in the next normal is how obedient are you and I going to be? Here we are having the opportunity to step out on dry ground but the question is uh, you've got to listen and adhere to what God said here's the challenge uh, Dr. Scott that I want to argue before I get ready to go into my seat uh, why many of us will probably struggle we don't mind hearing from God and we don't mind getting his instructions but most of us struggle with verse 18 and 19 because it's one thing to hear what God says do uh, but it's another thing to step out on faith uh, because stepping out on dry ground in our 
our text meant he must leave the confines of the ark. And I want you to understand that why this was significant at this time because the next production, the next progress that the world will see through the life and legacy and lineage of Noah was not going to be completed in the ark. See, the ark had kept them on the flood. The ark had kept them when the waters were raging. The ark had kept them when they were docked on Mount Ararat. But in order for them to be fruitful and multiply, God's ultimate design for them was not going to take place on the ark. Which means that part of God's signal to step out on dry ground means that Noah had to be mature enough to know what to leave behind. And I need someone to understand that in this next season of transition, you've got to make sure that not only am I stepping out on dry ground, but I'm mature enough to know that there are some arcs I've got to leave behind. There was some stuff that was good in flood season, but ain't going to be good on dry ground. See, arcs are good in the water, but arcs can't do nothing for you on dry ground. And there's some of us that have got comfortable in the ark. I know you're not going to say it out loud, but you've got comfortable on the ark. But this next season requires you to step out on dry ground because progress can only be made outside of the ark. I'm done. May the Lord bless you real good. But there's somebody at St. Paul said, I need to leave some stuff behind. There's some ark relationships I need to leave behind. There's some ark people I need to leave behind. There's some ark mindsets I need to leave behind. That when I get on this new dry ground, things are not going to be like they were before. And I wonder, that's why some of us are still struggling. Because you want to come back to what you had before. Can I tell you, life will never be the same. Life can be better if we trust this new dry ground. But I hear what somebody saying, what do you know? How did Noah know that the ground was truly dry? Because there's something about the word of God. That when God speaks a word, it has a way of turning things around. You don't believe me? There happens to be a story in the New Testament. There were some disciples that were on a, a stormy sea of Galilee. The Bible says that one of these days or one of those moments, Jesus was passing by. And in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the raging water, while the other disciples were fearful, the Bible says that Peter, a man that followed Jesus, he called out to Jesus and said, if it be you, bid me to come. And Jesus only used one word in order to make water be solid for Peter to step on. And I believe that same word, that same power that Peter stepped on, that same power that Noah stepped on, that same power is still available today. So as you and I get ready to move into our next normal, I'm so glad that I serve a God that's going to be my dry ground. If my grandma was here, she'd say it this way. Oh Christ, the solid rock I stand. All else is sinking soggy sand. Step out on dry ground. In this as you and I play softly for me, musicians, if you and I understand this season of transition is it looks like it's ready ground looks dry businesses are opening and 
people are trying to move around more. And I know the tendency is to trust our eyes, but in this season, we got to be like Noah. Because everything that looks dry is not dry. And there's nothing more harmful to progress than to step out on soggy soil. Why endure all you've been through to now step out on soggy soil? God's intention for them was to not just move them to a place of prominence, but move them to a place of stability. Because God understood the next level of productivity could only be achieved on dry ground. Maybe I'm preaching to myself tonight, but I need you to understand, don't make surface decisions in this next season. I don't care what else other people are doing. It may be cool for the raven and cool for the dove. But Noah understood that our success in this next season was based on hearing from God. I know Noah and them had been in that ark for a year. I know they were tired of seeing the same people over and over again. But why make it to this place? Only to sink in soggy soil. Sometimes you just got to let God do his work. Because he's not just drying up what's on top. You got to pray that God dries up what's underneath. My prayer for you, my prayer for everyone has been, God, you've kept us. So now give us the fortitude and the patience to wait on solid, steady, dry ground. I need someone to hear me tonight. I believe that's God's word for you. Don't rush this process. Don't be so antsy and anxious. God has kept us thus far. He said, I've taken the cover off. Enjoy the sun. Enjoy the fresh air. Soon enough, I'll let you step out on dry ground. I want to pray for you tonight. I want to pray for your patience. I know that's not something we're used to, but I know I know what it feels like to get pandemic fatigue. I know what it feels like to, to just get tired of just being tired. You, I know what it feels like to Get tired of just watching stuff virtually. I, I know you're tired of being on Zoom meetings at on the job and then having to be Zoom and virtual at church. I know, I understand, but let God dry the ground. I was looking at in something on the news the other day. It said that one of the challenges that scientists are having now is that because there have been glimmers of hope, they said that worst thing perhaps perhaps could happen is it could cause another spike because people put their guards down near the end continue to stay faithful in the ark pretty soon we're gonna step out on dry ground god we thank you and we bless you we honor you in this moment and in this time of revival 
God, we know you have been good to us. You've kept us through so much. And God, we never would have thought we would have been in this this long. But God, I thank you that you've kept us. You built an ark of protection around us. And the powerful thing that we learn, God, is that the same God that can keep us, the same God that propels us to the next place he wants us to be. So tonight I pray that you once again give your people patience. Give your peace people fortitude. Give us wisdom in this season. <laughs> to not always follow what we see, but trust what we hear. God, we've made enough surface mistakes before. We've oftentimes stepped out on what we perceive to be the best option, only to sink in soggy soil. But tonight I'm praying wisdom and discernment for the leadership of this church and the leadership, the people who are all here listening. Let us be steadfast and unmovable in our understanding that we're not going to move until we hear from you. God, send your voice. Send your signs. Send it when we need it. But give us the fortitude to stay put when you're silent. So Lord, I thank you that you're in the drying process. That stuff we don't even know you're doing, we thank you that you're doing it. Thank you for drying up some stuff that's going to be ready for our next normal. And God, when it's that time, give us the willingness and the faith to leave some arcs to start building on dry ground. So Lord, I pray that you keep us and sustain us, help us. In this time of revival and beyond, be what we need when we need it, is our prayer. In Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen. God bless you. If you've been blessed by that word, can you celebrate and give God praise for the preacher and the preach word? Was not that a word? Was not that a word? Amen. 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 Thank you. Reverend Dr. Charles Goodman, thank you so much for letting the Lord use you in a mighty and a, in a magnificent way. I want to give you an opportunity to do two things and we're about to get out of here. We want to also thank him for that prayer and we want to send an opportunity for anyone that is watching us right now to become a part of the tribe here at St. Paul. If you've been blessed by this word and you feel led to have a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And, and guess what? God wants to do some wonderful things in your life. But he can't do it if he's not your God. So I want to encourage you. If you're watching us right now. Online, Facebook, YouTube. If you're watching us and you've been moving. You hear the voice of God saying, I want you to obey it. I want you to type in. If you want to become a part of this church. Just type in connect. Just type in connect. I don't care if you want to be baptized. I don't care if you want to join the church. Just type in connect. One of our digital ministers will reach out to you right in uh, by five o'clock tomorrow. Somebody will contact you. If you type in connect, somebody will contact you and find out your reason for typing in connect. And you can explain that you either want to become a part of the church 
or you want to be baptized and they will let you know what the next steps are. If you're listening to us on telephone, I want you to call the church at 704-334-5309. Leave your name, your number, and your reason for calling saying, I want to become a part of the church. You can do that right now. Or you can email us. You can email us. You can email us. Just email connect at uh, spbcnc.org and someone will reach out to you as soon as possible. You can do that at info at spbcnc.org. I may be getting the email wrong, but you can see it on the screen. So I want you to do me that favor. Reach out right now if the Lord has moved you in a powerful way. Here's the other thing I want to do. We've taken up an offering earlier and that is a general offering but I want those who have been blessed tonight to go beyond the general. I want you to take the top off your ark and I want you to give sacrificial. I believe in sowing and reaping. And I'm not going to tell you what to give, but if you feel led to give, if you will pull out your smart device right now and just go ahead and click. And I want you to put it under the category sacrificial offering. Just put it under the category of sacrificial offering. And you can give at this time. So I'm going to give another offering tonight. That word blessed me in a very powerful way. And I want to sow at this time as far as his ministry and his life is concerned. So just type sacrificial offering and you can give at this time. One thing I have discovered is that giving of tithes and offerings, that's the baseline. When you start giving beyond that. God has a way of blessing you in an unimaginable way. So I want to encourage you right now to stretch your faith and to stretch who you are right now. Amen. We're about to get out of here. Uh, this has been a great first night. He has set a high bar. Thank you, Minister Erica Minor, for leading us in worship. Thank you to our media team for being on post. Thank you to our young adult ensemble. You all were absolutely incredible. Thank you to our musicians for being on your post and playing so beautifully. Thanks to our custodial as well as our staff who have helped to pull this together. Well, listen, Dr. Goodman drove all the way from Augusta to be with us. I want you all to pray his traveling mercies as he prepares to go back uh, to uh, Georgia to mind the field that the Lord has allowed for him to be the under shepherd over. And we're going to pray safe travels for him. And of course, we look forward to him one day coming back, being with us in person as we are in person with him. I hope, St. Paul, you got the undertone of that message. That while everything is opening up and folks are talking about we're going back as far as the pandemic is concerned, we don't need to move too soon. Amen. Because I don't want to try to bring us back and then we have to shut stuff back down and have to start things back over. We're going to take our time and do it right. We're going to listen to the voice of God. Amen. 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 Well, listen, uh, we're getting ready to go. So let's bow our heads for a closing prayer as we prepare to leave this place. God, we thank you tonight for the powerful preaching. Dr. Charles Goodman, and we pray right now that you will restore him, refresh him, renew him, reinvigorate him. Thank you, God, for our music ministry and for our young adult ensemble. Thank you, God, uh, for uh, Reverend Eric, I mean, Minister Erica Minor, how she led us tonight in worship. Thank you for our media team. And as we prepare to leave this place, but never your presence, keep us in your sovereign care until we're able to come back together again. And Lord, we look forward to you taking us even higher on tomorrow night. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. But listen, God bless you all. I love you all. We'll see you all tomorrow online. Amen. Bask in the power of this rhema word. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello. 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 How's everybody doing? Hi, Marilyn. Hi, Marilyn. How are you? It's good to see y'all.